So please turn in your Bibles to the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi, the reading is found on page 962. Malachi chapter 3, we're going to read from verse 13 through to verse 3 of chapter 4. So Malachi chapter 3 verse 13. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, It is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper and even those who challenge God escape. Then, those who feared the Lord talked with one another, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name... The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Well, we will be returning to this passage very soon. Before we do, we're going to sing once again the passage that we read. It's found on page 962 in the Bible. Malachi chapter 3. So 
Malachi chapter 3, our focus this evening is on verse 16 to 18 of this chapter. Can you imagine a congregation that is well known for being corrupt? A congregation where many of the men are dodgy when it comes to business. A congregation where you can have a mistress and nobody's going to care. A congregation where greed and sleaze are completely normal. Can you imagine what sort of message a congregation like that would send out to the world? It would present Christianity as something completely repugnant. The thing is, we don't need to imagine. All we need to do is read Malachi, this short book at the end of the Old Testament. It's a book that is addressed to Israel. Israel is supposed to be God's special people. They are set apart to be a holy nation. And yet, men leave their wives. They lie, they steal, they trample the poor. And it gets worse. Because religion in Malachi's day, is a farce. The priests, the ministers of the day, they can't be bothered. The collection plates lie empty. The sacrifices are a shambles. It's a disgrace. And worst of all is the sheer arrogance of the people. They are so hardened in their sins. That they have the brass neck to blame God for the problems. They say to each other, what has God ever done for us? They say, God has changed. So what's the point in keeping all of these rules? In fact, you could say, Malachi's generation had a motto. And it's found in verse 14. Six words. It is futile to serve God. It is futile to serve God. Sounds just like Northern Ireland today. Not much has changed. Our young people go to school and they're told, surely you don't believe all of that nonsense in the Bible. You're wasting your time with all of that church stuff. We open the paper or we go on the internet and we read. Christianity is irrelevant. It's for people who are stuck in the past. The message of our generation is the same. It is futile to serve God. Sometimes, doesn't it seem like the people who say that have a point? For example, verse 15, we see the wicked 
prospering. And then we look at good people and they struggle. Or we see people, just like verse 15, they challenge God, they mock God, and absolutely nothing happens. And sometimes we can think, would it not be easier if I simply packed it all in? I wouldn't have to listen to all of the dismissive comments about my faith. I wouldn't have that strain on my friendships that comes with being a Christian. I wouldn't have to struggle against sin. It would be so much easier if I didn't serve God. Well, this evening, we're going to look at a question. Is it futile to serve God? People of Malachi's day and the people of our day say yes. But God in verses 16 to 18 says no. He turns to the people who are prepared to swim against the tide to these believers and he offers encouragement. And I wonder, for some of you, is that what you need this evening? I wonder, are some of you feeling worn down? Perhaps the world's approach to life seems very appealing. Maybe you've wondered to yourself, is it futile to serve God? Perhaps some of you here aren't Christians. You're interested in what the Bible has to say, but you're not quite ready to commit. Maybe this is a question that you ask. Is it worth it? Is it futile to serve God? We're going to look at three incentives to serve God in these verses. So firstly... Serve God because God remembers his people. Serve God because God remembers his people. The man in the street has been talking. He has been slandering God. He has been questioning God's faithfulness. But then, verse 16 We meet these other people who are also talking. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. We have these people in Israel and they still fear God. They meet together and they remember God's goodness. They love God even though everyone else has turned away. And they're encouraged in these verses. Verse 16 again. The Lord listened and heard. These words that they speak in secret don't go unnoticed. These people, they may be small in number. They may not hold positions of honour or authority. And yet, 
God listens. Isn't that so encouraging? Think of that Sabbath school lesson or that talk at Champions League or Friday night club and you take plenty of time to prepare it and not one of the kids bothers to thank you. God listens and God hears. Think of those comforting words that you have for someone who's struggling and no one else gets to hear them. God listens and God hears. Think of that email that you send to encourage a missionary and no one else knows that you did that. God listens and God hears. And Malachi here uses a lovely picture to reinforce his point. Still verse 16. A scroll or a book of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. wonder, do any of you have a scrapbook? Have you kept photos of your kids whenever they were young? Have you kept on to those letters that your spouse sent before you were married? If you do have a book, then it's special. It reminds you of the things that you hold dear. You're never going to forget those moments with your kids. You're never going to forget those words from your spouse. Because they're written in your book. I wonder, based on verse 16, could we say that God has a scrapbook of precious memories? Somewhere where he records those things that are close to his heart. And in this book are the names of those who fear him and who honour his name. And so, even as God looks at the depravity of the nation, He remembers his people. He remembers that older lady who is so committed to the church. He remembers that mighty man of prayer who achieves so much on his knees. He remembers that couple who open up their home for hospitality. He remembers that office worker who guards her lips as she goes into work. He remembers that stay-at-home mum who models Christ-likeness for the kids. He remembers that person at church who plucks up his courage and who speaks to the visitors. He remembers that person who suffers and yet has the faith 
not to grumble. He remembers and he hears. So the question we have to face is it futile to serve God? No. Because God remembers his people. Then our second encouragement, serve God because God treasures his people. Serve God because God treasures his people. There's another lovely picture in verse 17. Speaking about these believers, God says, they will be mine. In the day when I make up my treasured possession. Some of the older translations of the Bible use the word jewels. It's something really, really precious. Something that you value above anything else. Something that captivates you with its beauty. And the verse tells us, when the time comes for God to gather his treasure, when he gathers up this priceless possession, it isn't going to be gold and silver. It isn't going to be rubies or diamonds. It's not even going to be the angels. It's these people who fear him and honour his name. These people who are invisible to the world. These people who haven't prospered like the wicked. These are the people of God's treasured possession. The world looks at them and it says they're out of touch. They're backward. God looks at them and he says, they're mine. They're my treasured possession. Hopefully, this is something that moves you. Hopefully, this is something that makes you want to worship. It may be that you never know the esteem of the world. You may never get to enjoy the trappings of success. And yet, if you're like one of these people, and you fear God, then you're precious to the Lord of all the earth. Some of you ladies, and perhaps for you, your most treasured possession is your engagement ring. Now you take great care every time you take it off. You would never just shove it in a drawer and then forget about it. And I would imagine if your engagement ring was to get slightly damaged. Well you wouldn't simply throw it away and buy a new one. It's precious. It's a great value. And the few ladies can take such good care 
of your engagement rings, how much more must God Almighty take care of his treasured possession? Will God simply allow his precious jewels to be snatched away? Will God even contemplate, even think about throwing us out when he sees our imperfections? Of course not. If you're someone who fears God, then you're safe because you are his treasured possession. So the question that we have to face. Is it futile to serve God? No, because God treasures his people. Then we have our third and final encouragement. Serve God because God spares his people. Serve God Because God spares his people. Malachi goes even further in verse 17. He talks about God's treasured possession. Then he says this. I will spare them just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. You men who are fathers. If you were to wake up in the middle of the night and discover a fire in your home, I don't think that you're going to go looking for a scrapbook. And I don't think you're going to gather up your wife's jewellery. You're going to jump up You're going to go straight into your kid's bedroom and you're going to get them out. Because children are far more precious than books or treasure. God is saying here, verse 17, to these people who have stayed faithful, you're more than just names in a book. You're more than jewels and gold. You're my sons and I will spare you as sons. I want you to imagine a farmer. This farmer has one son. Before this boy is even able to walk He gets to ride in the front of the tractor with his dad. Whenever he's still a young boy, he goes out with his dad and he helps to round up the cows. Whenever he's older still, he milks, he cleans the parlour, he goes to market. And whenever it's three o'clock in the morning and the vet needs to be called. This son is right there with the father. 
can you imagine the bond between the father and the son? The son is loved, not just because he's a son, but because he has served, because he has confirmed his faithfulness to the father. And God says here, verse 17, speaking about these believers, I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. Which means, if you're a Christian, whether you've been a Christian for decades, or whether you've been a Christian for days, whether you have demonstrated your loyalty to the Father, or whether you're just starting out, whether you have served well, or whether you've stumbled again and again. You're a son. The ladies included, your sons. And it gets better. Because what makes this verse even more amazing is that none of us are sons by birth. By nature, we are enemies of God. We're sinners. But we've been brought into God's family. And we have been given the blessings of a son who serves. And the reason why we're able to say this is because of God's only son. We could turn forward just a few pages in the Bible and we read about God's son. We read about Jesus, a son who served his father, a son who followed every single instruction, a son who stayed faithful all the way to his death on the cross. And we read the reason why Jesus became a man. It's because by nature, none of us are sons. It's because by nature, we are dead in our sins. It's because if God is to bring us into his family, then a price has to be paid. And as we read on, we see that when the time came to pay that price, God the Father looked at Jesus, his perfect Son, who had obeyed him so, so faithfully, and he didn't spare his son. He sent his firstborn, his faithful son, to the torture of a Roman cross. So that sinful sons, people like you and me, could be spared. The father handed over 
his sinless son. Perhaps this evening some of you have grown cold in your worship. Perhaps you're not as excited by what you read in scripture as you once were. Perhaps you have forgotten the wonders of God's love. I wonder, is the message of Malachi for some of you that you need to seek God and praise? Perhaps for some of you, what you need after reading this passage is rededication. Perhaps you need to resolve that you're going to serve with the loyalty and the love and the fervour of a son. Perhaps some of you in response to God's love need to be more like the believers of Malachi's day. You need to resolve that you're going to speak about God's goodness. Perhaps that's something you could do after church rather than simply talking about the weather. Talk in a way that puts the focus on God. Some of you have families. Perhaps this is something that you could resolve to do with your family. Put a renewed focus on speaking about God's compassion. It's a compassion that we see so clearly in this passage. We are not simply names in a book. And we are not simply gold or treasure. We are sons. And God will spare us as sons. It's the question that we're asking this evening. Is it futile to serve God? No. Because God spares his people. These verses take on extra force when we see verse 18. The people have been accusing God of doing nothing. They say that God simply sits back and he doesn't care. But they're wrong. Because according to chapter 4, verse 1, when the time is right, God is going to act. We have two groups of people in this book. And there are two groups of people in the world today. One group says, it is futile to serve God. And so they don't. They serve themselves. And in this life, they prosper. They do well. The second group, the group we've been thinking about this evening, that group stands firm. And God tells us in verse 18, 
on the day when he acts, the world is going to see so, so clearly the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those who don't. On that day, chapter 4, verse 1, God's wrath will be like an oven. And the arrogant, the evildoers, will be consumed like stubble. It's going to be a terrible, terrible day. But on that day, God will open his book. And he'll remember. On that day, he will gather his treasured possession. And he will take them into the safety of the storeroom in heaven. On that day, God will spare his beloved sons. If you're not a believer, that day which Malachi says is coming it's going to be a day of agonising regret you will weep as you say if only I had served the Lord if you are a Christian a day that is coming is going to be one of vindication because you will be able to say with more certainty than you've ever said it before. I have feared the Lord. I have honoured his name. And it wasn't in vain. As we stand, let's come before God in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the wonderful compassion that you have for your people. We thank you that we are more valuable to you than names in a book. We are more valuable even than gold and silver. We thank you because you treasure us as sons who have served you. We pray, Father, that this truth will shape our lives. We pray that our hearts will be full of joy and delight as we consider the great love that you have for us, your people. We pray that as we think of our Saviour, who you didn't spare, so that we could join your family. We pray that we will be full of excitement and joy as we consider him father we pray that you will help us as we look forward to this day which is coming we pray for those of us who are believers that you will fill us with certainty and with comfort as we look forward to that day and for those who do not yet trust you 
We pray that you will draw them to you. We pray that you will bring them into your family. We pray that they will serve you and that you will delight in them as a father delights in his son. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close our worship as we turn to Psalm 1.